Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, I felt today to speak about being in the right place at the right time. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, but people tend to use that phrase when they're talking about things that have been like an accidental blessing. You know, there's this collision of time and place and maybe some other factors too, which has kind of implied that there's been something successful or favourable that has happened. It's Some people call it fate or destiny, or they might even call it good karma. But it's it's almost this unexplainable thing that, that has meant that they have found themselves in the right place at the right time. You know, I was at my son's soccer game this morning and uh, there was many of those moments where you kind of can't imagine how, how did that even happen? These are 15-year-old, 14, 15-year-old boys playing on the soccer field and there was one of his teammates who actually did, um, he was facing the other direction to his goal and he did one of those um, scissor, what's it called? <laughs> so bicycle kicks so he did this kind of bicycle kick and it flipped back behind him and went into a goal like how does that even happen but he was in the right place at the right time but it didn't even look like he was because he was facing the other direction and I found some images that I just wanted to show you of people who had around particularly in photography they'd been in the right place at the right time and taken these photos. As you can see that, you know, you can't sort of work that out yourself, can you? You can't make that happen necessarily. Or maybe this picture here, she might have had a few goes by the ocean of coordinates with the ocean there. We've got a few more, I think, that should come up. Um, But I find it fascinating that we can see these things happen. Have we got any more? Nope, we haven't got any more. That's okay. I found quite a few on the internet. You can look that up later. Dr. Google is really helpful for that. Um, But those kind of things to me just fascinate me. But I actually believe that there, when we are walking and following as disciples of Jesus, that we have a different worldview. We have a different view of why these things can take place within our lives. It's not luck. It's not chance. And it's not by accident. As followers of Jesus, being in the right place and the right time actually has the backing of heaven. The Word of God is very clear about a number of things that I think are a foundation for our view on this today. Um, Firstly, is that God is always at work for our good. I really feel like someone needs to hear that today. In Romans 8.28, it says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together called according to his purpose. So as we think about this accidental collision of right time and right place, this is a factor that God is always at work for our good within our lives. We believe that there is an eternity, there is a heaven and hell, that our lives are actually a preparation for eternity. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. There is an eternal purpose in what it is God does through our lives. 
Another thing is that God is sovereign, that he is overall, that he is supreme in his power and in his authority. He has created all things. He knows all things, the visible and the invisible, that our God is sovereign. That God has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. We know that scripture in Jeremiah. It's a truth that we live by. And as we live by this truth, there aren't these accidental moments where the right place collide within our world. And then we believe that God not only works for good, but he is able to do good within me. He's able to complete the good that he has destined for me. So I don't believe that, you know, when we understand perhaps the way that God is leading and guiding us in our lives and for you here at this location, that that there is any mistake or accident that you are here in this place at this time. When it comes to living in the kingdom of God, being in the right place and at the right time is no accident. And as we do at Numa Church, we say, well, what does the Bible say about this? And so I wanted us to turn to the book of Esther. And I wanted to read a little bit of her story because she strikes me as this kind of person who encounters this very thing that we're talking about. She's in the right place at the right time. And she's done, um, she's kind of just followed what it is that the Lord's plan was for her life and found herself at a very significant moment in the history of her people. Just a little bit of it into the scripture. We know that the Jewish people, um, they had been separated. They'd been divided. The tribes of of, of Israel had been separated. They'd been ruled for a time by King Saul, King David, then King Solomon. And then there had been this massive unrest across the land, this civil unrest, which had caused a major division in the nation. And it created this north and this south kingdom. And so the northern kingdom was defeated by the pagan kingdom that had come in and it divided again and it had never re-established. But here we are, the southern kingdom of Judah had been overtaken as well, but God had declared his promise over them. And he had promised his people through the prophets that the tribe of Judah and its main city of Jerusalem would actually be rebuilt. But they were living in captivity at this time. They were living very far away from what the promise of God had looked like. They had been dispersed and they didn't know how they would return to their city again. And story in the book of Esther, this reality of the Jewish people in the land, in the Jewish tribe of Judah, living separated, living in captivity in different parts. And they had adjusted to this way of life. They had established themselves with homes and businesses and they had settled into their new foreign land. Still believing all this time in the promise of God that had been spoken over them. But we have this moment where we read where there is this plot that begins to form against the Jews, the people of God. And uh, we are introduced to this character of Esther. Now, she was a Jewish orphaned girl and she had been raised by her cousin Mordecai. Uh, She ends up calling him her uncle in this story, Uncle Morty, we might call him. But, um, or Mort, Uncle Mort might be better. Um, So she had been living in this way, captivity. And then there was a call out to all the women in the land for them to be gathered, wanted a new queen. He wanted a new wife. And so she all of a sudden found herself gathered up with these women and presented to the king of the kingdom as a potential new wife and queen. 
And we know that the story goes that she was selected and she finds herself close to the king in his quarters, in his kingdom. And as her uncle is outside of the kingdom, he begins to hear about this plot that is against his people and a plot that is actually going to be extremely devastating for them. There is a plot that they would be wiped out, they would be killed. And he gets extremely distressed about this, as you can imagine. You know, they've been in captivity, they've been living in hope of something shifting, and now he can hear that there is this incredible, uh, disastrous, devastating plot against them. And he gets extremely distressed. And Esther hears about this distress and she asks, she sends one of her servants out to go and find out what it is that he is talking about. And word comes back to her about this plan. In verse 11 of chapter 4 in the book of Esther. And uh, I don't know if it'll come up onto the screen behind me. But it says, Then Esther spoke to Hatak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of king's providences know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come in to the king these 30 days. And so she's telling Mordecai, I can't do anything about this. You know, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand that this is difficult. This is devastating. But I just don't have, have any idea what I can do. And she's telling him that if I even go near the king, I could lose my life. And it says in verse 12, they told Mordecai that what Esther had said. And then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. And here is what he says. Do not think to yourself that in the king's any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. You know, this is an extremely challenging and very moving and very inspiring story. As we understand the, the gravity of what is taking place across the land, as we understand the position that uh, Queen Esther finds herself in in this moment, that she is confronted with the decision to, is she going to uh, trust God? And follow what it is her uncle is suggesting, or her cousin, um, and, and do all that she can, risk her very own life, or will she just sit by and watch? And I love how Mordecai brings it really home to her. And he says that you, perhaps you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know, being in the right place and the right time actually gives us this opportunity to seek God about what it is we are to do when we find ourselves at this intersection. 
And I wanted to talk a little bit today about what that looks like to be in the right place because I really believe that this is God's heart, not only for you corporately as a location, as a gathering, as a people of God in this season of your church, but also it might be for individuals in this place at the moment. That you may be facing a crossroads or you may be finding yourself saying, how did I even end up here? that the Lord has a purpose and intention that he wants to reveal to you in that. And so for us, we too can know that when we follow the plan of God, that God actually goes before us. I want to assure you of that today, that when there is a plan of God, that he is the one who has gone before us. It says in Deuteronomy 31.8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid or dismayed. You know, when it comes to us understanding this actual truth that the Lord has already gone before us, it gives me a lot of confidence. It helps me understand that I don't have to depend upon all of my own capacity and all of my own ability, that my dependence upon Him becomes so important in this way. It's about God's faithfulness, not about your ability. Don't waste it. Don't refuse it. The confidence that we have in God is that he is faithful to his word and he is faithful to his will. So when you find yourself in the right place, look to him for your dependence. God also places us in the right place for a purpose. It says in Ephesians 2, 7 to 10, now God has us where he wants us. This is the message version. I love it. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. He says, saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift to us from start to finish. We don't play the major role. And I love this reminder because sometimes we can kind of think that we, we are um, coordinating our own steps but as we surrender to God and as we follow his plan and his purpose for us, we understand that he has a greater purpose in mind than just what it is that we see. And the place that we find ourselves when we understand the purpose of God in this place, it becomes holy ground. You know, just like this building. This isn't just uh, four walls and a roof and a floor and, you know, all the things that you see around it. When you come in, you are carriers of God's light. You are carriers of his presence. And as you are carriers of the spirit of God within you, there is a purpose that comes with that as well. And so as you worship God in this place, as you surrender to him, as you pray, as you storm the heavenlies, as you gather in unity, the purposes of God are fulfilled. And that isn't just for you in this place. It's for anybody else who walks into this space after you. You know, we've had people come into our home at different times and say, it feels really calm in here. It's really peaceful. There's something different about this place. It's got a really uh, incredible, they call it aura. And uh, what they don't know is that we've just been praying out, you know, butts off. Like we have been storming the heavenlies. We have been crying out to God. We have been seeking his face. And as we call on God, the presence of God comes and it fills us and it fills the place that we are. And so the purposes of God are elevated and around. Let the places that we tread, let that be so intentional when you do that. Your prayer is that the presence of God would come with you so that others would encounter him. And then being in the right place, 
means that we know that God knows where we best fit. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. You know, that says to me that it is no mistake that you are here today. It actually isn't an accident that you've walked into this room. You may have come with family. You may have come with friends. You may have come because you've been coming here for a long time. You may have come today because you saw something advertised on the internet. But I believe that God knows you, he's created you, that he has a plan and a purpose for you and that it is no mistake that you have walked into this place today. It is no mistake that perhaps you are considering, do I plant myself in this house? And so I would encourage you to be open to just asking the Lord his will for you in this house. God places us. He promotes us in a place and a time for a reason. And you and I need the courage and the wisdom to walk that out, to live that out with the Holy Spirit guiding us, set apart for consecrated purposes. So being in the right place with God is about him having a plan, understanding that he has a plan, he has a purpose, and there is perfect intentionality in God. He's always intentional with what he does. He's always got a purpose and a plan. But it's not only the right place that you might find yourself in today, but the timing of God is right too. And what I love is that God is actually interested in the timing that of his will and his purpose. We see with the story of Esther that it mattered that she was in the palace at this time. You know, she couldn't have seen the future. She couldn't have known what was to come for her people. For all she knew, she was just going to live in captivity, however long that it would be with her cousin and her people. But all of a sudden, she finds herself propelled into this place, this palace, this opportunity that she could have a voice more than ever before. And then she finds that it doesn't just happen that she's in this place of favor, but she's in at the right time that she needs to be there. And she hears about the distress of her people. And there is this opportunity in the history of what it is God is doing at that time. So being in the right time means that God's timing is perfect. I don't know if you've ever tried yourself to make things happen in a time that you would prefer them to happen. You know, when we're praying and seeking God about different things in our world, we've got our own timeline in mind. But God's timing is actually perfect. It says in 1 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It's not the same as God's ways are not the same as my ways. His thoughts are not the same as my thoughts. And so when I understand what it is about the timing and the seasons that God has me in is that I'm trusting that his way is perfect when it comes to time. And when we lean into the perfect timing of God, when we trust into that space and we say we might not understand, but God, we trust you, we wait on the Lord and his will comes to pass. Being in the right time means that God's timing is fruitful. There's this guarantee that there's this eternal fruit that he will bring when he shows up and when he imparts and when he pours out his spirit. And at the proper time, it says in the word of God, we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. But the fruit that is produced is not temporary. 
It's eternal. It's everlasting. It's actually better than you and I could ever imagine or manufacture on our own. Living according to God's timing means that we submit the outcome of the plan. And this requires us to trust him. What we're essentially saying is that, God, I trust you, that you know better than me, that you see more than I see, that you understand all the pieces that need to come together in this moment, that you've got the bigger plan, the eternal plan in mind. And I'm willing to trust you. I may not understand it, but I am willing to surrender my will to you and to allow you to show me. And then being in the right time, we actually find that it's a part of God's revelation to us. Have you, not, have you ever noticed when you're waiting for something to come to pass that God ends up teaching you a whole lot of other things in the process? And it's usually things about who he is. It's a reflection of his faithfulness or a reflection of his goodness or a reflection of his love for you. And Habakkuk 2.3 says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks, to the end, it speaks of the end and will not prove false, though it linger wait for it. It will serve and it will not delay. You know, life is really short, but actually eternity is forever. And so when we understand that time, the timing of God reveals who God is. We view things in light of eternity. The revelation of God comes. We allow him to reveal himself to us and it draws us into our closer dependence with him. You know, for us, this has been a journey many times over in our lifetime. Um, but for Corey and I, one of the big ones for us of the right place and the right time and the, the such a time as this has been waiting for us of um, owning our own home. And so we've been on this journey for many, many years. When we first got married, um, we had somebody uh, ask us to house sit for a couple of years for them while they were overseas. So we did that. They had all the furniture. And so we were able to begin this journey of really being serious about saving for our first home. And uh, so that's really when the dream began. And we began to go on that journey. And who knows that to be able to own your own home, big, big accomplishment. There is a lot that kind of feels like it's very hard. Um, And we sort of kept going on the journey and different things started to happen. And God was calling us into ministry. And so we followed that pathway. And as we did that, it felt like the, the dream of owning our own home was kind of fading away in the distance. We got busy in uh, doing and fulfilling the word of the Lord and the will of God within our lives, still, you know, praying and seeking and asking God for guidance and provision. And, you know, what do we do about this? We, we tried to buy a house at one stage and we just missed out on that. Um, that can be a real roller coaster of a ride for those of you have, who have done that. And so we found ourselves in this cycle of being rental homes and um, going on this journey of going, when will this dream come to pass? We really felt like that this was a provision that the Lord wanted to give us at some point, that, that opportunity to have our own home. Um, and so then we were planting our own church and, you know, who knows when you're planting a church, you put everything into it. And so again, that dream sort of felt further and further away. But we continued to follow God. We continued to trust him with his plan, with his purpose, with his intention. We continued to wait on him for his timing. 
As we uh, journeyed in that role of being um, pastors of a, plant, a church plant, within about uh, seven years, we felt like the Lord was um, asking us to step out of that. And in that final year, before we kind of came to that decision, we had this opportunity, I'll call it, but we made this decision to get really serious <laughs> about saving for our home. We thought we've been at the church now for six years. Um, we kind of got some things established. Things are going well. It's a good opportunity for us to really, um, you know, knuckle down and see what we can do about saving hard for this dream. We'd had some savings, but we knew there needed to be more. And so we took this interesting step of faith and um, we decided to go and live at an old Bible college. Uh, in their dormitories and uh, it was very uh, unusual for us to do this and it was very strange we had three kids at the time we still have three kids but um, we had all of them with us <laughs> and uh, we had two of them in school and one was still at home I wasn't working I was obviously working at the church but I wasn't getting paid and uh, so we thought this is what we'll do we'll bunker down for a year We'll save money. You know, we didn't have to pay hardly anything to live at this dormitory. Um, we got four bedrooms, like they were single bedrooms. Two of them would be joined by a bathroom and there was no kitchen, there was no laundry, but there was heaps of room for the kids to play outside. So that was a blessing. Um, but we decided, no, this, we really feel this is the right thing to do. And so we did that. Um, after, you know, about 10 months, we really felt like the Lord was sending us in a different direction in our ministry. And uh, it was this word that came to us that we were to have leadership of the church and to step out even further into the unknown and for Corey to step into itinerant ministry. And none of it made sense when it came to our dream for buying a home. We had been saving, but we knew that we probably needed to do a little bit more. And so we were talking about perhaps doing a second year at the Bible College. I can't believe it now when I think about what we were doing at the time. But um, God was giving us a grace to do it. And so um, we, we had this decision that we felt like the Lord was calling us to take a step of faith. But you know what I realised in that moment as we were praying and seeking counsel and asking the Lord to guide us in that season, stepping away from the security of being where we were. Um, as I said, I didn't have any paid role that I was working in. I still had one of my children at home with me. Corey was stepping out into an unknown space of income. We didn't even know how much work he would get, but we really felt the Lord was calling us. And it was kind of a right place at the right time. And it might sound strange, but at that moment, we didn't have any debt. We didn't have any commitments holding us back. We had this freedom to go all the way in and to jump out in faith and say, God, okay, we're going to do it and we're going to run with it. And so we threw ourselves right into that. And uh, we stayed another year at the, tr at the college um, we actually ended up not buying a home at the end of that two years. So I was kind of like, well, what was the point of that? That was disgusting. <laughs> no, we had many good memories there. <laughs> Corey's told lots of stories about that place. It was an interesting place. But here we are. We're stepped out into itinerant. So this God has completely turned our world upside down. Like we didn't even imagine that this was where we would find ourselves when we had started there two years earlier. 
at this place. And so we stepped down in faith. We went back into a rental. And uh, it was about four or five years when the Lord actually blessed us with our very first home. And uh, I can testify to his goodness and his faithfulness. You know, I was just driving down the road one day and saw this house that was open and thought, I'm going to go in and have a look at that house. And it ended up being the house that we bought. But the, the yes, let's give glory to God. Because the incredible thing about that as well is, you know, one of my things was, well, when you first buy your first home, you start out pretty, you know, kind of um, with just what you can afford. Um, and that's, there's always a lot of work that you need to do on the house. Is that common for people? That's sort of what I understood it to be. And I thought, we're going to be, that's okay, Lord, we'll just do that. We'll start from, you know, the beginning. But he has blessed us with our dream home, our literal dream home, where we've not had to do a thing to the house. And it has been the most incredible blessing of space that we could find ourselves in. And I wanted to share that story with you because, it, it, you know, at one point when we were in the right place at the right time, it wasn't for the reason that we thought, for God to catapult us into something else that he had for us that actually led us on a journey that saw incredible opportunity for ministry across the world. And uh, that we never once had to ask anybody for any kind of work, but we just continued to see people, you know, bringing invitations for Corey to go and speak and preach and minister. So the provision of God in that season was absolutely incredible. So I want to tell you that the right place and the right time matter to God. He can use it in incredible ways. He works through it for such a time as this. I wanted to say to you today that the providence of God is supernatural and it changes everything. It makes all the purposes and plans of God come together within our lives. John Piper describes the providences of God as God's sovereignty and power to do whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, and however he pleases. That kind of a statement, you know, some of us can hesitate. Some of us can feel a bit afraid. Some of us can worry about the lack of control that we might have in that way. But when we understand that there is a wise, all-knowing, all-powerful God behind that, that his provision has a purpose and a time and a, and a place, this means that our surrender to God gives him the control to do what he chooses. We can't compete with that. You know, when I try and work out my life together for good, I can do an okay job for a period of time. But when I trust in the almighty provision of God, when I understand that I've been created and commissioned and called and gifted by God, I want the resource of God to be behind that. I want his power and his presence to be behind that as well. And I just wanted to say, if there is anybody here in this place today and you might feel unnoticed in this season of your life, you might feel unseen, you might feel unworthy, you might be going on here in this season of my life. I wanted to encourage you today to say that he sees you and he knows you. Nothing of your life is unseen by him. 
His purposes and plans for you are yes and amen. His promises are still the same. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And when you surrender your life to him, when you commit your life into his hands and say, I don't understand all the circumstances that are swirling around me, but God, you can make all things work together for good. And so as I place this in your hand, God, make this the right place at the right time. Turn this around to be that I have come to this place for such a time as this. Let there be an eternal mission that begins to stir up and inspire you in this place. So what will your response be today? Thinking about the story of Esther and thinking about the goodness of God for this year's led you over the past three years I've just heard the Holy Spirit whisper today that you are here individually and corporately for such a time as this. And just like Esther, as Mordecai gives her instructions of what it is she is to do, he includes these two requests that I believe are for us today as well. Firstly, for us to understand that the need of the people in this community is great. There is a great harvest for us to be here for in this time and in this season. And will you pray for the people? Will you allow the Lord to burden you with their very lives? Will you understand that as you come into this place, it isn't just for you to receive, but it's for you to go out of this place and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those who are around this building. That for such a time as this means that there is a greater purpose and a greater intention for you being here and secondly God in his perfect plan and in his perfect time the providence of God will bring all things together at the right place and the right time and he will make all things work together for good so that's my challenge for us today that we would be a people who would intercede for this community. We would understand that this is not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's not by chance that we have found ourselves in this place today. That you have come to this place, to the house of God, here in this building for a reason and for a purpose. And will we depend on God to build His church in this next season? This kind of challenge looks like an obedience of surrender a recognition that we are living sacrifices for the Lord. And the result is that God works all things together for good to them that love the Lord. That we see that we know the plans that God has for us. It's to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. That we see blessed hope and restoration and redemption come to this community, come into our very lives because we choose to surrender the right time and the right place into His hands. Why don't you stand to your feet for a moment? Because I want to pray with you today. I want to pray that the Word of God that has been spoken over us, this story, this phrase that you have been brought to this place for such a time as this would not go in one ear and out the other, but the Lord would speak to you a word in season about what that looks like for you in this place what that looks like for you in this moment. So come on, I want to pray for you now. Why don't you just posture your heart before Him? as a sign of your surrender, as a sign of your trust in Him, even if your faith is as small as a mustard seed today, that is enough for God. So Father, I thank You for each and every person in this place. 
Lord, every person who has come to this place of worship today, every volunteer, Lord, every leader, every person that comes Haitian home, even those, God, who are visiting today, I know that your hand is upon them. I know that your presence is with them. I know that you have a purpose and a plan for each and every one of them. So God, I pray that in this moment, there would be an, a recognition like never before of what that means for them for such a time as this. That your goodness and your faithfulness even have a purpose within their life. That you would reveal more of who you are to them in this moment. That there would be a fresh revelation, God, I pray, of the next steps or the next task or the next thing, God, that you have for them to do. Lord, let this be holy ground tonight in this moment. Lord, let this be a moment that you move and you have your way and you download and you impart, God, and you reveal fresh vision to our lives. Lord, we depend upon you. We cry out to you, God, in this moment. You are our God and we are your people. That you would use us. Lord, that you would use us in this space. You would use us in this community. You would use us in this city and across this nation. That wherever we find ourselves, God, we would listen to your Spirit. And we would allow you, God, to use us. And so we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to this place for such a time as this. God, I pray you would come and you would pour out your Spirit and you would anoint us afresh. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.